Models play a very key factor within the fashion industry for many different reasons. You can talk about the impact of Kate Moss, Naomi Campbell, Iman, from OG supermodels, and even models right now who are making a stamp within the industry, such as a Wang Cho, Anuk Yao, Bella Hadid, Gigi Hadid. All these specific models have such an impact on the fashion industry, not because of their names necessarily, but also because of what their image has done to elevate brands and just the overall brand image. Now, although the life of modeling, of course, is seen as glitz and glamour, an aspect that's really forgotten is the fact that models need to be protected in their own way because at the end of the day, they're employees. This week on The Label Law, we will be talking about model law. This is part one, so we will go deeper later on, but we're going to specifically look at how New York legislation, federal proposed legislation, and model releases Find a way to protect models in different areas. This is The Label Law, hosted by Grace Azuike, and this is Protect That Walk, Model Law Part 1. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. As always, this is The Label Law with Grace Azuike. So today we're going to be going into model law. As I was doing this episode, breaking down everything, I realized how detailed model law actually is because of the fact that there are so many different aspects of modeling within the fashion industry that have some type of law attached to it or just some type of right or protection that is attached to the name and as well something that needs to be protected. So as we all know, models are very important to the fashion industry. They've been a key part of the fashion industry dating back to the 18, 1700s when fashion was just something that was not necessarily a business, but with something that was just an art form, an expression piece, models have always been an aspect of the fashion industry. And A big part of that is the fact that their likeness is reproduced to hundreds of thousands of people now with the fashion industry being so huge. And for example, let's talk about the fact that Bella Hadid was on V Magazine's calendar collection. Within that specific intricate piece of the fashion industry right there, although that's in magazines, her image, she was wearing different designers, all different stuff like that. Her image has to be protected because at the end of the day, that is what she is providing as a employee to her client. But like I said, they are employees. So at the end of the day, they need a lot of rights, especially helping with exploitation and with the fact that the fashion industry is really a year-long, day-in, day-out kind of part of a workforce. So within that, there are definite specific guidelines that not only modeling agencies have to abide by, but the designers specifically when they're contracting these models, essentially. And just the fact that their image is being reproduced, the model's image. So those are different aspects. But like I was saying earlier, there are so many different parts of the 
modeling that they have model law tied to there's immigration issues because a lot of models are not American or not European and come in from different countries and have to face, you know, work visas, different things like that. There's weight regulation of models because, of course, as we all know, the fashion industry has a history of liking their models on the thinner side, almost too thin to where it's kind of scary in some opinions and it has to be protected because you know you can't work your client to a place where they're unhealthy just because of an image that you want to uphold there's wage laws there's overtime with the fact that models are working day in day out on vogue's youtube channel you can actually watch um pre-quarantine of course models during fashion week such as a knock wow um i believe a wing chow has one as well a few different models have episodes on there where it's a day in the life, essentially, and you're only following them for one day. And you can see one model do Tom Ford at five o'clock in the morning, waking up for that. And after Tom Ford is done at 10 a.m., they're running to Moschino or they're running to someone else in the same day. And this is day in and day out. Although these are specific weeks, um, with fashion weeks being like in London, Paris, Milan, all that it's still stuff that they have to do outside of that, just like photo shoots, different things. So making sure that they're not working overtime and those labor laws that go into it. Contracts, which I covered a little bit when I was talking about the Gap and Yeezy fiasco. Contracts are a very, very, very important part of the fashion industry, whether you're talking about models or designers or employees that are a part of the production team, NDAs, licensing agreements, all of those tie into it. And then there is the fact that what I'm going to go into today is about New York's specific child labor law with modeling and a proposed federal bill that is up in the House of Representatives to be talked about in the model legalities. As we all know, Europe and even Asia is a big part of the fashion industry, specifically headquarters, and we're going to go on that route. And in America, we have New York as a major fashion like capital for us. And because of that, New York has some legislation and laws that are in place specifically catered to the fashion industry. And in this example, catered to models. So back in January 2013, New York legislators voted unanimously to pass the Child Performers Protection Act of 2015. Now, this law aimed at protecting underage models, and this was under the New York Department of Labor, as opposed to the Department of Education. Now, this bill was proposed by the Senate co-leader Jeff Klein and the state senator Labor Committee chairwoman Diane Savino, and it recognizes models as child performers, affording them the same protection as actors, dancers, and musicians under the age of 18. And it's ironic that it wasn't up until 2013 that that was something that was recognized in America when... Just like I've said in the past, like fashion is an art form, just like acting, just like dancing, just like making music and models are a part of that. But of course, because America isn't really centered in the fashion sense or having that as a big part of really their economic plan and everything like that, it's not really, it's basically taken for granted is what I'm trying to say. And now this became effective officially in November of 2013. And essentially it was that child models who live or work in New York state are covered by this law and its applicable regulations as child performers. Now this law adds that print and runway models are 
a part of this list of performers covered by strict Department of Labor regulations to protect individuals under the age of 18, like I said. And in addition to these lawmakers, the Model Alliance, a non-union organization that works to improve working conditions for fashion models, played a major, major, major role in the introduction and passage of this bill. So in the past, I've kind of talked about Susan Scafidi and her work that she did at the Fashion Law Institute, creating the Fashion Law Institute. And people like her are the people that are really making sure that fashion law is being pushed forward in its best way within the legal realm because of the fact that they're going forward at with the House of Representatives, going forward to lawmakers specifically to make these laws to protect different parts of the fashion industry. Because like I've said a million times before, the fashion industry is just taken for granted as an art form and just taken for granted even in the business aspect. So they're kind of forgotten and left out of these conversations. But because of representation of these fashion individuals that come in and fight for it, we're starting to see some progress within that realm. Historically, the fashion industry has notoriously had very, very, very young models walking. It's not something that's new. It's something that's kind of been practiced for a long time. Even in the 90s, there have been jokes that are always made from different models from back then that say, yeah, like once I hit 25, 27, it kind of was like, all right, what are the next sex that I'm going to take? Because I'm not sure if I'm really going to still be wanted essentially by the designers there's so many new fresh faces coming in i'm not sure what is going to happen and we can look at this even back in 2017 when chanel had cara taylor open up their fashion show in paris and she was 15 years old (laughs) very young there was actually a very big controversy around it because one thing is that models like i said they live a very glitz and glam fast lifestyle so it's like should someone that young be you know working in day in and day out essentially in this in this work field one and really just at all because I mean if you think of normal jobs I'm pretty sure the legal working age of like every state is around 16 years old it may be 14 and some but it, for the majority it's 16 years old so that's why New York came out with this law because it's like the law requires design houses that want to cast models under 18 to apply for a certificate to work with them. And they'll be forced to keep careful records of all minors that they work with should the Department of Labor ever inquire on those specific models because of their age. And there's a lot of restrictions with that. And also there are violation fines, which result in up to 1000 for the first offense, two and 3000 for second and third offenses. And as a big fashion brand, of course, that's not that big of a deal. But at the end of the day, everyone is going to know that they had a fine because of some type of child labor law. And I don't think any brand would like that with their name attached to it. So specifically, these are the five things that that New York Labor Child Performers Protection Act of 2015 cover. You must possess a certificate of eligibility to employ child performers. You sub- you must submit a notice of use of these child performers to the New York Department of Labor at least two days before the event. So when we're talking about events, we're not just talking about the runway shows or the photography. We're talking about the fittings. We're talking about the practices. Like you must, before all of these events, come in and, you know, submit. Yes, I am working with a child performer. She's under 18. He's under 18. Blah, blah, blah. You have to make sure that the child workers have 
valid work permits because like I was saying, I'm pretty sure the age to work is 16, but because of this type of industry, it's 18 that they want these models to have work permits and they must maintain a copy of the permits with them. They must follow the restricted working hours, which includes giving models breaks every four hours of work, which is normal, just like any other employee. And you must keep, this is very important, must keep documentation evidencing models' trust accounts and place 15% of models' earnings in those accounts. So the rules really are very specific. Um, I think they cover very specific parts of the fact that they're under 18. And I think it's perfect because at the end of the day, just like you, just like I've said, anybody, not just the fashion industry, is quick to overwork their workers. It's just, it's a part of capitalism. It's a part of just kind of human nature, to be honest. Get the most out of what you can get. And when it comes to someone who's under 18, yes, of course, they have their parents to guide them and let them know like, hey, you know, are you being overworked? Da, da, da. But when you're in the entertainment industry, essentially, the fashion industry, it's, it's not really looked at being overworked because of how essentially fun, maybe laxed, you could say that it is in comparison to an office job where you're going in from nine to five. On the federal level, though, back in November of 2015, Representative Grace Meng of New York introduced the Child Performers of Protection Act of 2015 to the House of Representatives Committee on Education and the Workforce. Now, as you can see, that definitely has the same name as the New York one. But this is now, instead of making this specific to the New York state law, it's making it federal. So it'd be in front of the whole entire jurisdiction of the United States. So this bill It is intended to extend those federal workplace regulations to young industry professionals, including models. So the proposed legislation reads that the bill amends the Fair Labor Standards Act of 1938. You heard that right. 38 (laughs) to revise the application of child labor requirements and prohibitions with respect to child performers to specify new limitations on the number of hours such children may be employed at the place of employment. So kind of like how in the New York state law, there's a defined time piece aspect, it's the same thing with that. So an employer or contractor may not, one, employ a child performer unless a trust meeting specified requirements has been established on the child performer's behalf and the employee has obtained the account number of the trust account or other proof of its existence, or to compensate a child performer in any form besides cash wages uh, exclusive of boarding, lodging, or facilities, you know, hotels and stuff like that. Any employment or contracting of a child performer that is not in accordance with such limitation and requirements shall be treated as oppressive labor. Certain work hour restrictions shall not apply to child performers employed in live theatrical production. And any individual in a supervisory role with respect to a child performer shall be liable for unlawful discrimination on the basis of sex against a child performer, whether or not the individual is employed by or contracted by a covered employer, employer or contractor. And it also goes into a part of the fashion industry, specifically with modeling and photography, that is kind of hush-hush, but the sexual assault that happens and sexual harassment that happens. And the bill also states that any child performer aggrieved by unlawful harassment on the basis of sex or the performer's parent or guardian may bring civil action in 
any federal court of competent jurisdiction to recover equitable relief and compensatory and punitive damages, costs, and attorney fees. So the employer of an individual who is alleged to have engaged in unlawful harassment on the basis of sex against a child performer shall conduct an internal revenue review of its policies and procedures for protecting child performers and ensuring appropriate compliance with the Fair Liberal Standards Act of 1938. So although this was introduced back in 2015, it has not been approved. It's um, still in the proposal aspect realm uh, as of currently. But when it goes before the House of Representatives and everything is being voted on, this bill is something that will really change the how models are protected on a federal level rather than just in New York. So that's very important to remember that although this kind of has the same language as the New York state law, the New York state law is only in the jurisdiction of New York. Meanwhile, this will be a federal legislation statute that would protect models all over the United States. So the last thing I want to touch on are model releases. Model releases are a critical part of the fashion advertising puzzle specifically when it comes to models. So a model release establishes that the fashion advertiser has the rights to use the images and both photographers and those who are purchasing or licensing images should obtain them from a photographer. So fashion advertisers must have a release signed by each person appearing in the photograph, even if he or she appears unrecognizable. So in that sense, it's like, think about the works where sometimes, you know, they take artistic reins and make models look a little different, may distort, you know, their face or maybe their whole entire face isn't showing. So it's not necessarily that you can specifically point out what model it is, but just the fact that the model is in it is enough for them to have to sign a model release. And not every state requires that such releases must be in writing, but it's always preferable to get that written release rather than an oral release because one, I mean, with an oral release, there's like anyone can lie and say that they did or did not approve of it. But with something written, that's something in your records that you can always reference in the case of a court case or just in the case of a dispute between two people working with each other. So keep in mind that there are a lot of different types of model releases, and it's important to use a release that strikes a balance between the needs of the fashion advertisers and the rights of the models so as to mitigate the possibility of disputes or lawsuits. And that's that's specifically what you want to touch on right there when it comes to modeling with the laws. Although the model might not get everything they want, because although they are an employee, they are working for someone. So it's like, I cannot lose everything just because you're modeling for me. Like I have to have my protection in there as well. But fashion advertisers, they usually strive for really broad rights, such as the right to use the model's name, image, likeness, you know, captured in media. The media could include video or photographs, anything. And it's for them to be able to use it worldwide, as well as on social media, Instagram, Twitter, their websites, you know, for consumer sales, anything. But one big part of it is that fashion advertisers should be aware that the broader the scope of rights that they require, the most expensive, more, more, more expensive it will be to use it. So if you guys have kind of gotten an understanding that models are very, 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 very interesting in my personal opinion because of how many different aspects have to be touched on with working with them. And it also shows their importance because it's like, if it's going to be this difficult for me to use someone or use the likeness of someone, 
I mean, I could find other ways, but of course the fashion industry, they need models. Like they absolutely need models. And with that need comes with, I mean, you need me. So you need to make sure that I'm comfortable when you need me. So that's one of my favorite aspects. And also, even though I just covered three major specific parts of modeling law, there are so, 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 so many aspects that I didn't touch on, which I will touch on in part two. But as always, thank you guys for listening to The Label Law. Also, remember to go to www.thelabellaw.com and read this episode's article, along with other articles that I've had on every other episode, including The Label Law Talks, where there are guest profiles for every single guest that I have coming up next week. I actually will be having another episode of The Label Law Talks, where I will be going global again, back to London, of course. I think I have a little fetish with London, but... I will be speaking with Ray's magazine, a London out of, sorry, a magazine out of Kingston, London. So thank you guys so much for listening. As always, this is Grace Zuike with The Label Law. Have a nice day, afternoon, evening, whatever time it is. Just have a great, awesome time. <laughs> Bye.